With just three months remaining until Lai Qingde's presidential inauguration, the DPP plans to hold three forums targeting young people. Lai will attend the events to hear young adults' views on the country's future. Lai also has engagements scheduled with the international community. On Monday, he received a delegation from the U.S. think tank, the Heritage Foundation. During the meeting, Lai reiterated his commitment to the cross-strait status quo. A delegation from the Washington-based Heritage Foundation is in Taiwan. It met with Vice President Lai Qingde on Monday, congratulating him for his election as Taiwan's next president. The delegation also congratulated Taiwan. So congratulations for Taiwan being number four in, in the world for economic freedom. Uh, I'm a school teacher, and so we look forward to you vying to be number one in the future. Taiwan <laughs> Last month, on January 13th, Taiwan completed elections that would determine the future of Taiwan. With their sacred votes, the people of Taiwan determined Taiwan's future. We have decided that we will continue on the path of democracy. And despite intimidation and pressure from China, we still made this decision for the future of our country. Despite interference from China, we are glad that we have had support from the international community, including U.S. organizations like the Heritage Foundation. We thank you very much for your support. Lai thanked the group for its support of Taiwan and vowed to maintain regional peace. Working together with Vice President-elect Xiao and the people of Taiwan, we will continue to do our best to safeguard peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait and maintain the status quo. We also hope to contribute more to peace and stability in the world. Ahead of his presidential inauguration on May 20th, Lai plans to attend a series of forums to engage with young adults. The plan is to hold a series of youth forums from March to April. By communicating with younger voices in the party and holding public forums, we hope to encourage more young people to share their opinions with the DPP. We hope to systematically gather views from young people on what they want for Taiwan's future. Their opinions will form the foundation for the government's youth policy after Lai takes office. The DPP hopes to engage with young adults at a series of forums held in northern, central and southern Taiwan. Lai himself will attend the events to engage with youth issues. Vice President-elect Xiaobi Kim says that drone development is necessary for Taiwan's survival. She was speaking during a visit to the Asia UAV AI Innovation Application R&D Center in Jie. She said drones play important roles in everyday life, farming, scientific research, and military operations. In the future, she said she wants to use her past experience to speed up drone development. Let's hear from her. I want to say that drones are indispensable for all the aspects of life. Food, clothing, housing, transport, education and recreation. Well, actually, we haven't figured out what drones can do for clothing. But we have for everything else. Food, housing, transport, education and recreation. As well as scientific research, disaster relief and military surveillance, attack and defense. As a matter of fact, drone development is necessary for Taiwan's survival. Our micro-drones were exhibited last October at the Association of the United States Army's exhibition. At the time, Xiaobi Kim attended as ambassador to the U.S. Given China's recent provocations in the Taiwan Strait, I spoke to the vice president-elect about not just deploying drones in the air, but also over and underwater. 
During her time as ambassador, Xiao had made visits to several American drone companies to convey Taiwan's interest in collaborating. She also attended top drone exhibitions in the U.S. with her visit to Jai. Xiao made clear that as vice president, she would be committed to the growth of Taiwan's drone industry. Taiwan unveiled plaques for four new sites of injustice on Monday, ahead of the 77th anniversary of the 228 incident. One site was the Executive Yuan building, where KMT guards shot and killed protesters. Across the country, there are now 42 historical sites of injustice, memorializing one of the darkest chapters of Taiwan's past. Three, two, one. Premier Chen Jianren, Vice Premier Zheng Wenchan, and Control Yuan President Chen Ju unveil a plaque designating the Executive Yuan Building as a historical site of injustice. The building was once known as the Office of the Taiwan Provincial Administration. During the 228 incident, guards of the building opened fire on protesters, causing numerous casualties. It's now marked as a site of injustice. The meaning of this step can be compared with South Africa's efforts to promote transitional justice. They've decided to establish the seat of the Constitutional Court of South Africa at the Number Four Prison in Johannesburg, where Nelson Mandela, Mahatma Gandhi, and many other fighters for democracy had been imprisoned. Preserving sites of injustice demonstrates the government's determination to prevent these atrocities from happening again. The premier visited several sites of injustice near the executive yuan. The sites served to commemorate the past and encourage people to reflect on history. The Transitional Justice Commission designated 42 sites of injustice in Taiwan, and there are another 64 potential sites. It's the government's responsibility to systematically preserve sites of injustice, turning them into an opportunity to educate the public on the history of Taiwan's democracy. Besides the executive yuan, plaques were also unveiled at the Ankang Reception House, the Tangdezhang Memorial Park in Tainan, and the Jingmei White Terror Memorial Park. The Jingmei White Terror Memorial Park used to be the Taiwan Garrison Command's detention center and military court. Minister of Culture Shi Zhe and senior advisor to the president Yao Jiawen attended the plaque unveiling ceremony, where victims shared stories from Taiwan's authoritarian past. I am extremely touched to be taking part in this event today. Our wishes have finally come true. I really hope that in the future there will be a plaque at every place in Taiwan where things like this happened. The executive yuan is promoting a dedicated law concerning sites of injustice. It urges ruling and opposition lawmakers to uphold human rights and fulfill transitional justice, to preserve a dark chapter of history that must not be erased. For the first time in 10 years, Team Taiwan has won bronze at the ITTF World Team Table Tennis Championships Finals, which wrapped up in Busan, South Korea last Saturday. Two members of the team flew home to a hero's welcome on Monday. Table tennis player Lin Yun-ru said that the tournament was grueling, thanking his teammates for having his back. Rising star Gao Chen-rei, who's just 19 years old this year, agreed that his teammates were his biggest source of support. I'd say that each and every game left me with a strong impression because every single one was difficult. We all pushed ourselves to perform as well as we could. I'm very happy we got to bring home the bronze. I was extremely anxious on the court, but my teammates on the sidelines really built me up, helping me overcome our opponents. The athletes were greeted by cheering fans at the airport. 
both the men's and women's teams made strides at the World Team Championships, reaching the quarters and earning a spot in the Paris Olympics team events. Today, we meet a succulent expert and Chinese immigrant who is sharing her gardening knowledge with her community. Shou Zhifen moved to Jingmen 19 years ago to be with her husband. After she developed an eye disease, friends encouraged the homemaker to start growing succulents. Soon, she fell in love with the beautiful green hues of this special family of plants. Now she runs her own succulent studio, creating pots and spreading the love of these plants far and wide. After sending her kids off to school, Chiu Zhifen gets down to caring for her potted succulents, removing dead leaves and giving them fertilizer. This desert rose is getting so big it needs a larger pot. Generally, when you repot a desert rose, you use a set of pots. So you take it straight out of the old pot without touching the roots, and you put it straight into the new one, and then you fill it up with earth. Chiu started growing succulents four years ago after getting an eye disease. A friend suggested the green would help her eyes relax. Chiu fell in love with the vast world of succulents. Today, her studio is full of more than 1,000 plants across 100 species to look after. Jinmen has a very dry climate with little rain, so it's good for succulents. Especially in the winter, the succulents are beautiful. When there's a large drop in temperature from day to night, the succulents gain a very beautiful colour. That was when I gradually started to fall in love with them. Chiu advises succulent owners that they need plenty of sunlight, constant ventilation and moist soil without being flooded. It's also very important that they're planted in soil that's airy and hydrophobic. Most of what I spend goes on soil because they grow so beautifully when you plant them in a combination of special soil for succulents and peat from South Korea. She's also developed her own cement pots and started this succulent studio. She teaches children and adults how to paint their own flower pots and shares her pots in the local market. Cho is grateful to her neighbor Zhang Ling Li for her friendship and support as she's grown her project. Cho was born in China's Zhangzhou and was working in Xiamen when she met her Taiwanese husband. They moved to Jinmen 19 years ago. She says she's now used to the climate and pace of life in Jinmen as she spends her days with her plants enjoying the natural world. As her children grow up, she hopes she can grow her studio even further and break out of the restrictions she finds herself in. Transport Minister Wang Guotai wants Taiwan hotels to lower their holiday rates. The call comes amid complaints of prohibitively high prices on weekends and holidays. Remarking on the market trend, the transport chief projected the arrival of 12 million international visitors to Taiwan this year. He said that their arrival could cover the income shortfall that hotels experience in off-peak periods, allowing them to lower their rates on holidays. Many people want to travel in Taiwan on their days off, but high hotel prices are forcing some to reconsider. If we were to go out as a family, we'd have to spend 5,000, 6,000 NT or more, so I'd consider doing a day trip instead. I'd go abroad because it's cheaper. Holiday rates at hotels have been sky high. 
In response, Transport Minister Wang Guocai said that flights have already returned to 90% of pre-pandemic levels. Taiwan is aiming for 12 million international tourists this year, he said, noting that these visitors would fill hotel income on weekdays, potentially leading to lower holiday rates. As international visitors return, they will cover revenue shortfalls on off-peak days. If hotels end up earning money on off-peak days but keep rates high on peak days, I'll scold them. There will be no punishments, but we'll have a talk. If these 12 million tourists come in tour groups, if group travelers make up the bulk of people coming, that would be more helpful toward hotels making money on weekdays. Tourists traveling independently don't boost weekday business as much. One hotel association says that more international tourists will only help if the travelers come in groups. She adds that with a labor shortage and rising prices for materials and utilities, the cost of running hotels has risen by 60 percent, making price cuts challenging. We should just allow market mechanisms to determine the rates. There's no need for the government to ask for adjustments, or the minister saying he'll scold us if we don't lower prices. The association says Taiwan's hotel market has a wide range of prices. It said that in a free market, consumers can choose the price point that suits them. Kaohsiung has bid farewell to a pair of yellow inflatable ducks anchored at Love River Bay. The public art installation was deflated last Sunday as spectators looked on. Kaohsiung's tourism director hailed the month-long exhibition, which attracted more than 9 million visitors and generated billions in business opportunities. A diver bobs in the water, hooking a white sling around the base of a yellow inflatable duck. Then the hoisting operation begins. Crane lifts the duck from the water as workers pull on ropes to guide it slowly on shore. By 6.10 p.m., both birds had made a safe landing, marking the end of the double duck display. <laughs> Weighing several tons, the ducks had to be deflated with care. Several people held each duck's outside surface to keep its air vents open. Workers on the other side maneuvered the exhaust fans and used long ropes to fold the duck down as it lost its shape. Slowly but surely, the ducks were folded down until completely deflated. Despite the late hour, a large crowd gathered to say goodbye. Kaohsiung's tourism director Min Ling Kao was on the scene throughout. She thanks staff for their hard work that made the exhibition possible. There were many impossible missions, many formidable challenges. We accomplished them all. I am very grateful to our entire team. Together, we overcame so many difficulties. Kaohsiung's Love River Bay had hosted the installation for the first time in a decade. The two birds were on display for a month, drawing more than 9 million visitors. They also achieved two world firsts. Together, we helped Kaohsiung achieve global firsts. First, we took the ducks on a dynamic harbor tour. Second, we became the first in the world to complete a successful maritime rescue. During the display period, nearby retailers, night markets, department stores and restaurants saw a surge in business. The exhibition brought a wave of economic opportunities and showcased Kaohsiung's ability to host large-scale events. Digital artist Cub Wolong has turned the charming fishing village of Suao into a series of lifelike works. The former interior designer now spends his days focusing on the little details of life in Suao. His perceptive eye picks out all the most beautiful spots in the town, and his work has found praise from the town's officials.
。它背景，它跟你实际要画的东西是分开的。Kubolong lays a bright background on the image and adjusts the transparency. The picture was vivid before; now it jumps off the screen. The picture is called the first tuna in Nanfang Ao this year. Sixty-year-old Ke is a graduate of Fuxing Trade and Art School. He first worked as an interior designer in Taipei and drove a taxi for four years. He happened to visit Suao on a trip and unexpectedly fell in love with the culture of the little fishing village. I had passed through Suao before, sometime when I was about 30. I thought that I'd like to move to Suao one day, Suao or Toucan, but I realized that Suao has more stories than Toucan. Compared to Toucan, Suao doesn't have so much hustle and bustle. It's cleaner and quieter. Ker is passionate about drawing. He started making portraits of dogs, which he loves. He linked up with an association for guide dogs, drawing merchandise for the association. But then a comment from Suwa Township head Li Mingzhe made him start to draw the town itself. I've noticed his drawing style gradually changing in the last few years. It's gone from his love for guide dogs gradually towards seeing lots of the beautiful scenery of our Suwa. So he sought out lots of the unique scenes of Suwa. His work doesn't just contain lots of those real scenes. He also adds in lots of creativity. Ke began to put Suao scenes into his images. The seafood store in the corner in Nanfang Ao and the fishing harbor have both featured in his work. He takes his pen wherever he goes. He's particularly proud of this drawing of a store in a small alley. All the scenes are different and have their own flavor. They're beautiful. They're different to others' work. He draws very well. They're beautiful. It's just like it. See, here are the owners sitting there, and the kid and the motorbike parked there. The table and chairs outside the store, the scooter, and even the classic red spring couplets. When you compare the drawing to the street, it's almost 100% identical. Ko's drawing skills have earned him plenty of admirers. If you don't have any feelings about the work, or you don't understand the place, then you won't know how to get into it. With his love for art as well as for Suao's local culture, Ke has plenty of material to keep him drawing for many years to come. One hot pot restaurant in Taipei offers the classic pickled pork and pork, but with a twist. They also add copious amounts of crab, shrimp, and fresh oyster to bring a taste of the ocean to the traditional meal. Crab, shrimp, and clams can be found in this pickled cabbage hot pot. The crab is brimming with meat, adding a sweetness to balance the sour taste of the pickled cabbage. Paired with the traditional pork slices, this surf and turf hot pot has it all. Using a big knife, the chef cuts the crabs in half before cleaning them thoroughly. They use chicken to make the soup base, simmering it for a day until the meat almost completely dissolves and the soup turns a milky white. The hot pot is prepared in the classic copper pot. First, they add cabbage that has been pickled with salt, rice water, and white wine. Then they add shrimp, penghu crab, clams, and fresh oysters. Finally, the chicken stock is added and brought to a boil, mixing the seafood and chicken flavors together. 爸爸本身是纯山东人嘛。My father is from Shandong, but when I was growing up in Taiwan, I didn't like food that was so sour. Adding a lot of seafood helps to neutralize the acidity. 
They also serve a tofu hot pot, which includes a whole row of shrimp in addition to slices of pork. Most Korean tofu hot pots are made by boiling the ingredients, but here they stir fry some first. They stir fry the garlic and onions, then add Korean chilli powder for that spicy flavour. Next they add tofu, meatballs and some more chilli powder. Lastly, they put in the seafood and glass noodles. I worked at our family restaurant for a while, but we would often argue when the restaurant was busy. At times like that, I thought, I know I want to make my own pastries, so why not just do the things I want to do? Rather than manage the family restaurant, Wan Chujie decided to start his own. By adding seafood to the traditional pickled cabbage hot pot, he creates flavours beyond imagination.